0: The game is on the line right now. A pair of receivers to each side. One back set. Williams
1: claps his hands, gets the ball. Back to pass. Under pressure. Pocket collapses. He is sacked. He is sacked. Back at the 33 yard line. They got him. It was the youngster, the freshman, Colin Oliver, that got him. Where's that Sooner magic now, baby? Where's that Sooner magic now?
2: Minus three with Dave Damoschek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3, presented by FanDuel. Make sure you're betting along with us or fading us either way. FanDuel.com slash minus three. The word minus, the number three is how you do that. We got a good one in store today, Eddie Spaghetti. Coming up in just a few minutes, the world-famous Joey Molinaro. Of course, famous for his love of Edo and LSU and the Purdue Boilermakers. Don't care for that. Do care for his affection for the struggling Pittsburgh Steelers. Meantime, I hope you enjoyed Thanksgiving. If you're a college football fan, I know you enjoyed Saturday. Unless you're anxious to see a Final Four without Alabama. Or if you're an Ohio State fan... Or if you're an Oklahoma fan, speaking of that, I know USC fans enjoyed their Sunday. Speaking of Sunday, another weird week of pro football to review for you. Not as weird as Kendall Roy's birthday party, but it was still weird. The Ravens are the number one seed in the AFC, but are we sure that they're even good? Every week with them, it's a knuckleball. I I say it all the time, Lamar Jackson is awesome, but... In kind of a Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin kind of way. He might win throwing four picks against the Browns in November, but is that same style going to work against the best teams come January? That was a rhetorical question, Eddie Spaghetti. No, no, it will not. But then again, who is good? Are the Rams? They got beat by Rodgers with one toe tied behind his back. The Cowboys... I don't want to make excuses, but not without their two best pass catchers and a banged-up Zeke and no Tyron Smith. And here come the Niners, probably too late to catch Kingsbury's gang, who by the by are officially the most ignored team with the NFL's best record through 12 weeks in the history of people. And then there are the Bucs, as we have discussed. They're going to win the Super Bowl. We need to accept that now, make our peace with it. All that's left to wonder is, will it come against Brady's old team? Big one in that regard and determining who is going to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. Belichick and Company against the Bills next Monday night. The winner of that does become almost certainly the favorite on FanDuel and otherwise to get to SoFi in February. Unless it's the Cincinnati Bengals. No jive. I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but they're good. The trick is you must ignore that the Browns whipped them a few weeks ago. As we've identified, it's the new phenomenon of pro football. Every team, even the really, really good teams, take at least one beating at some point in the season. Literally, no team is impervious, so kind of eliminate that bad score like you do with a a golf handicap. Now, impervious is what the Georgia Bulldogs are to all the jive that every other team in college football has suffered through close calls or outright losses to teams that they shouldn't be losing to. They have been dominant. It kind of reminds me spaghetti of the 2019 LSU Tigers, in fact, but in reverse, I would love to see Joe Burrow's LSU offense against the dogs D. But before we jump to any of that, I don't want to skip over this, Georgia fans. I know you're feeling very nervous this week. Um, you must first vanquish your Moby Dick or Moby Nick in the SEC title game. Michigan just got there, so there's cause for hop, a hope, for optimism. You saw them do it. Why not you too? i I'm not sure Michigan is going to beat Iowa, though. Also looking forward to a super fun ACC title game, Pitt and Wake Forest. Final score there should be 131-128. Our pal Sal's very happy today. His Metropolitans la- uh, landed Max Scherzer for way too much money. But at least that money isn't poorly spent like the Carolina Panthers spent on CMC or any other team that gives a running back a big second contract. McCaffrey out for the season. Again, the Browns may also be out for the postseason. Now the question is, will Baker be back in 22? There are going to be some real good NHL teams missing the 22 postseason. The Wales is officially loaded. Eddie Spaghetti and Mikey Meatballs are going to break that down for you in just a couple minutes. It's kind of like the NBA's Western Conference was for all those years. Uh, For my money, I'd be more than happy if we could just jump through the entire regular season and most of the playoffs and get to Nets Warriors. I don't think you could do much better than a, a finals between those two teams. And with all that said, Eddie Spaghetti, let's go back to where I started Thanksgiving. How was yours?
3: It was great. Uh, I want to hear about yours, too, but we were lucky uh, for us in L.A. for a few reasons. I mean, it, it was a perfect day outside. It was like upper 70s. Uh, all my you know friends and family back east, seeing them in cold weather and bundled up and I'm in shorts and a T-shirt is awesome. Uh, you know, we did your typical turkey and stuffing, mashed potatoes, but we were lucky enough to smoke some tri-tip. And that's like the bad mm. thing for turkey is the minute you have another protein source, the turkey automatically takes the number two spot. And it really does prove that, like turkey, is okay here and there for a couple of bites, but ultimately not uh, the upper tier of, of.
2: I've had it with this hate on on turkey for all my life it's and for hate. for, it's for, for centuries. It's been a popular food stuff. Listen, if you get the, if you have my wife's liquid steak, her gravy, I mean, it's just it's the greatest. It makes it sing like nobody's business, and she made the best. I'm not uh, talking about prisoner of the moment. She made the best stuffing i've ever had in my life she that was dynamite and then we got a nice cherry pie from a high-end place i'm not usually a, a fruit pie guy but i made an exception here i had a nice pecan pie so i have no complaint we didn't get to play the turkey bowl just yet we had a lot to to squeeze in but we'll we'll make amends this next weekend
3: well, that's the other issue, too, is the you mentioned the football and like the games. I believe the uh, the Dallas Raiders game was the most watched regular season game in a number of years. And it's pretty sad to say with a game that had 28 penalties or whatever it was. Uh, the football was just miserable. The first game, obviously, Bear Lions. Boy, it tra-
2: sucked. Tro- tro- you ain't, and yeah, well, that was bad. a joke. Fun to laugh at. But the Raiders Cowboys the one was was upsetting. Right. I mean, it was like watching that game really made. uh, I I think if you're a football fan, you, you had to be PO'd watching that one.
3: And the NFL will never take accountability, and this is the league they want. They want a league where you score a lot of points because they want to, you know, promote gambling, want to promote fantasy, which I I do agree with. They don't want to have thirteen ten games like it's the the New York Giants playing every week, who can barely score two touchdowns. But uh, and I understand that they want to protect the quarterback, they want to keep their players healthy. But it is a certain point where the league has to just kind of be honest with themselves and say, like, you know, our product right now is not great. We have to change some things, and I'm sure the diehard fans uh, will be happier in the long run, but I know the NFL is trying to cater to the uh, middle-of-the-road fans who don't really care uh, as much as us diehards, but it, it's just tough to watch. And uh, and those also uh, in Los Angeles on Thanksgiving night, if you're watching the game on NBC, there was a pretty fun hour-long car chase. So that was a perfect cap to a, a Thanksgiving, a pretty good one uh, if I say so myself.
2: I was watching Bills and Saints, unfortunately. And speaking of the Saints, we'll get to... We have a lot to get to. I do want to give deeper dive into Saturday definitely beat Sunday this past weekend. That was an all-time college football day, but we'll dive into that later in the week here because you've made a pretty strong statement about preferring now college to, to pro. But in the meantime, Saints are on the brain and the NFL playoff race is heating up. And in the very mediocre, for the most part, or at least in those bottom couple of seeds in the NFC side. It is heating up, and you should be wagering on FanDuel Sportsbook, picking your favorites, listening to Damashek, Spaghetti, and Hench, and otherwise, or fading us, like I say, because right now all customers get a $10 parlay bet. Bonus, just place $20 in a same-game parlay bet and get get a $10 bonus regardless of if your bet wins or loses. I love the same-game parlay. It is perhaps my single favorite thing about FanDuel. All you need, three legs there. It's the Cowboys and the Saints. No Mike McCarthy. He's down with COVID. Taysom Hill sounds like Eddie Spaghetti has taken the first-team reps there. Let's figure this one out. This skid can't go on forever. I know that they're not going to get back Amari Cooper, but Dak did play well. And, you know, this I I do like the pedigree of this Cowboys team overall at the most important position. Taysom Hill's a fine story. I do like that Saints roster, um, but they're banged up and Taysom Hill ain't the answer. So let's go Cowboys. Cowboys let's go over. Oh, you're shaking your head spaghetti.
3: Oh, no, you? I'm with you. I mean, the uh, Saints are, I was, I was just shaking my head. That, like I said before watching the Saints, they could barely move the ball on Thanksgiving. And I think in this game with the, with Dallas and, and I've said before, I, I love Dallas teams are allowed to lose games in the NFL. If there was not 28 penalties in their game versus the Raiders, the that final outcome could have been a lot different. And I, I think, you know, when Dallas is right there at the scariest team. So I'm with you. you want to go Dallas over points. I want to go Saints under their team under. Uh, I think Dallas is going to whoop them in this one
2: and give me one touchdown score from the Cowboys
3: Tony Pollard I mean he's he's to me he has more juice I mean he's he's the he's the back that has a spark to him and he does a lot in the passing game as well and I know that you know that's what Zeke's bread and butter was but right now I mean it's and Zeke's having a fine season but Pollard just has that that extra burst seems like
2: all right I like it let's uh, let's do that and when I say let's I mean anyone within the sound of my voice fanduel.com slash minus three the word minus the number three is how you do it and we'll see you in the winner circle Or maybe we won't. All right, everybody. This is very exciting for us, and I'm sure for your ears. You know him from Barstool and beyond, specifically. Pretty much anywhere and everywhere on social media, cracking you up and cracking
1: wise. It's our pal,
2: Joey Molinaro. How are you, pally?
1: Dave Miche, great to talk to you, man. It's been too long. I think the last time that we chatted was... uh... The night our uh, right now lowly Pittsburgh Steelers drafted one of the high points of the year so far. Old Pat Fryermuth, Uh I remember that night you hopped on my show and that was a uh, very kind of you. So good to talk to you. Glad to be here. Dave
2: Muth. So really, if we just if we just take the 30,000 foot view, things have been rosy. We talked to Cam Hayward that night as well. Oh, yeah. If memory serves, he's been dynamite. He's only added to his Hall of Fame resume. And then pretty much that's all we have to say. But we'll talk about the black and gold, the pro version of black and gold. And we'll see if nothing else here, Joey. I would really like to see if you and I can help the spirit of of uh, the Steelers fans out there. Because there's a lot of people's, people's angry ends. Dude, people's real mad. People want Tomlin to be fired. Roethlisberger, he's got to go, dude, already. Should have gone three years ago and all that. But let's... Let's start with more ugliness for Dave Damashek. Joy, for you, though, Joey, I'm talking about the oak and Bucket, muzzle-tough to you. It is, uh, it's you in see. West Lafayette there. You vanquished. Yep. I thought it was a little mean-spirited after everything the Hoosiers have already been through to, to whip them the way you did. But, you know, listen, we can't unring that, uh, that bell. Are you the greatest Purdue alumnus
1: of all time? I am not a Purdue alumnus. You're not there. There's the uh, I would say my wife is the greatest Purdue alumnus of all time, and then sli- right below her would be Neil Armstrong, and then Drew Brees.
2: Brees, so Armstrong? Really? I didn't know Armstrong. All right. See, I this can't really body. crack too much wise about that. Then, if they first man on the moon.
1: Oh yeah, you know that's the old saying here in uh, in Indiana. Dave is uh, IU always. You know your Hoosiers love to brag about their five banners. We know it well five banners in basketball. And then Purdue always comes back with the qualm of you may have banners in your ceiling, but we've got a banner on the moon as in what Neil Armstrong planted up there. Uh, so I don't really know, you know, it makes the old frat guys at Purdue feel better, I think, but uh, yeah, old Neil Armstrong. He's uh, he's a, he's a, Boilermaker.
2: Very nice. And what do you think about, uh, you know, I know you're, you're wearing the LSU hat. Coach O can yeah. ever take away 2019 from them. I guess. And now we get Georgia. I was just talking about it. Wouldn't that be great to see this Georgia defense against that LSU offense? But then it summons for me, Joe Burrow thoughts. And now I can't like Joe Burrow anymore. Um, What do you think though? I I thought it was very interesting timing on coach Saban's part, another pal of yours um, that in advance of the Auburn game, he must have known that they might lose that game because he got awfully philosophical about the meaning of life and all that kind of stuff. Is that the, the, was that your read on it as the Saban whisperer?
1: You know, I, that's a great point. I think, uh, as we know, Saban is a, a genius and a mastermind, not only on the football field, but he mm-hmm. knows how to manipulate the boosters, the folks around him, the AD especially the Bama faithful down there now, Dave. I mean, he he knew this damn well, uh, and you called it. I mean, he, he struggled at Auburn. If you're going to say struggled in anything with Saban, at Auburn has been the place where it's been the worst. Kick six a couple of years ago. They had that weird thing at half where he was freaking out about, and they gave out Auburn an extra second, and then Auburn ended up winning. So the times that Bama and Saban have been kept out of the playoff, it's been due to the Auburn Tigers at Jordan Hmm. stadium. So I know that my man, I know that my man was, you know, it landed perfectly for him on Thanksgiving to where He could kind of use that as the facade for what it really is was, Hey, things may go awry this weekend because they have before. And let's just keep this in perspective. All right. These are kids. It's just a game. We, you know we've been we've been in a pandemic for the last year right there's more important things out there than bama football even though uh that would be uh disagreed by a, a lot of people down in down the down at bama so yeah i think it was a genius move on his part
2: i listen i'm not uh, i i know you're not a monkey here to dance for uh for the listener however i'd be remiss if i didn't ask what you know Saban, so pre thanksgiving He basically sits at the head of a long table surrounded by Bama faithful, and he scolds them. That's how it played, at least, was that he was scolding everybody for wanting to win. This is a new look for Saban. Now buzzsaw Georgia awaits him in the SEC title game. Do you think he doubles down now? And if so, what do you think Coach Saban is saying to his boys and to the boosters and otherwise right now?
0: Well, it's certainly going to be a challenge uh, going to Atlanta always is and a tough game against Coach Smart in Georgia. All right? But what you got to remember is it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. Right? When you're going on a trip and you've been to Florida every single year, all right? the beach is fine, but where you make your memories is when you're on the call ride there playing games, looking at license plates, having your music playing, the music you don't want, the music you do want. It's about the journey. All right, So you're going to get worked up and talk about how, well, we may not beat Georgia and we ain't going to go to the national championship, blah, 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 blah. You got to remember, it's the climb. It's not getting to the mountaintop. You get to the top of the mountain of Mount Everest, you can't breathe. All right, When you're on your way up there, you got the adrenaline working. That's the fun part. That's where it all comes in. All right, so don't give me this nonsense now about how we ain't gonna beat Georgia, and that's not good enough because this is Bama because it's about the journey. And if you can't get that, then I don't know what to tell you. All right,
2: woke Saban, boy, he's really (laughs) he's really developed a new perspective on life now that his team can be beaten by Texas A and M and challenged by down LSU and down Florida and and very challenged by down LSU. Man, the Tigers had him; they had him on the ropes. What do you think of that, by the way? I, I This different standard, just because somebody came up with a clever phrase, it just means more. And so somehow we all have to buy that perennially that well, whatever happens in the SEC, I guess we just, that's just better. And so you close games there, like they add to the greatness of, of the powerhouses in that conference. Whereas any other conference, the front runner gets challenged in a game. It's like, see, they're not that good. This different measure for this, somehow has it now, everybody suffers from uh, Stockholm syndrome or Tuscaloosa syndrome or otherwise. And now feels like, Alabama has some claim to being in the final four. Now, if they beat Georgia, certainly. But this jive that, hey, if they play Georgia close, they belong in because we all know deep down they're better than Cincinnati or Oklahoma State or otherwise. How say you on this?
1: It Absolutely. And that's just about what I was going to say, and we brought up there at the end, is what's really going to be interesting is if Georgia – wins, you know, 17 to 14 on a last second field goal. And it's, you know, kind of back, you know, just just slobber knocker back and forth. I mean, you, me, anybody with a relative brain knows that I I, even though I like Kirk Street a lot, I do. I like Kirk Street a lot. All those gentlemen on that on that uh, stage and the committee, they're all going to be pounding the desk at ESPN, the worldwide leader, the Sunday following saying, I just don't know how you can't put in. Uh, a two loss Alabama who, who would clearly on a neutral site demolish Cincinnati, who is unbeaten, who has won their conference championship, who's won every single game that's been put on their schedule. That is the goal of what you do. But I don't see how you can tell me that they wouldn't beat them. Like that argument drives me absolutely insane. And Cowherd does it all. The oh, time. good.
2: I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't know which side you were actually going to come. Oh, no, 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 okay, no, no. I'm good. sorry. Yeah, like
1: uh, Cowherd does it all the time too. like the whole like oh, on a neutral field. You know, like, well, OK, what about the 12 games leading up? What about the conference championship that they have to be in to, you know, and win? What about like Todd McShay? He did the same thing, but with Ohio State the other day on Sunday morning, he was just like, uh, you know, if, if it comes down to it, if it's a two loss Ohio State team and an undefeated conference champion Cincinnati team, I want to see Ohio State because it's the four best teams. I'm like, yeah. and I quote tweeted and I said, OK, 20 years from now, no regular season. College football is completely just little just these, these these packs in Columbus, Ohio, and Tuscaloosa, and, and and maybe USC now with Lincoln Riley out there, and and you know whatever happens in Clemson, but it's just these packs, and they don't play the regular season. Everybody has gone to you know wherever you're closest to, so now I got to be an Ohio State fan because my teams aren't playing because the Boilers and the Hoosiers aren't going to be able to make it to the college football playoff, right? Uh, you know, even Notre Dame fans, maybe will stick with that. You're going to have five teams and you just add up all the collective stars from the recruits that they have on their roster. And then there you go. That is year in and year out. You just build up to the final four, uh, the, 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 the stars based on rivals rankings or whatever it is. And you play those four and it'll be Bama. It'll be Ohio State. It'll be uh, USC. It'll be uh, Georgia every single year. Every single year. Why
2: why are we going to bother, though, to have these young guys show up in August in the humidity for practicing and go through all the travel and everything else associated with the three months of the season? Why don't we just have everybody evaluate who had the best recruiting class? Because that's basically what preseason polls are based on. And the preseason polls dictate largely who winds up playing in the final four. Anyway, let's just jump to that. We, We can save ourselves a lot of time and focus in on how hockey or whatever you
1: know yeah just just neutral field you know no home field advantage just go to that whoever on the neutral field after a month of preparation that's what it's all about because that's that's how the whole season has been played uh, up to this point is you know uh nick saban has a month to prepare for everybody and they play on a neutral field and he doesn't have to go to death valley or anything like that that makes a whole lot of sense uh, i it, it's absolutely mind-numbing how and i love love college football. Me do. too. It's the best. You know you the do. aesthetics
2: of it with the, the, the big, when you get close to the stadium and you can literally feel in your chest, you can hear the big bass drum, bum, but a da bum And the, and the whole stadium filled with one color, except for the one section of the visiting team. And not, all of it is the, be- the uniforms are better in college than they are in pro football. So
1: on and so forth. Of course. Hey, how just, about this? Rick? How about this? Even like for me, Just the fact that it's played on a Saturday makes it – gives it the slight edge over Sunday. Mm -hmm. And the NFL is great, but there's nothing like a 10 a.m., cracking a cold one, having your first food of the day, knowing that you got to kick off at 3.30, it's beautiful weather, it's Saturday, don't got to work the next day. Anyways –
2: you're so right. Well, listen, that's a great point. It's why Thanksgiving is better than Christmas. It's because really? it's at the start of the holiday season. What is uh, a kickoff early on Saturday? It's the start of your weekend. You know, that's uh, the, yes, Sunday. I- Sunday, there, there's the black cloud hanging over you while you're watching the game and it's fourth quarter. And believe me, there was no, there was no worse time for, for adolescent Dave Damashek than realizing as Pat Summerall was in the second half of calling the mm-hmm. Cowboys against whomever, <laughs> On a given Sunday was the 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 dark notion that we got only it's a completed. couple more hours a weekend. Then it's back yep. to school. Yeah, not you gotta good.
1: Do, you got it. You know the the homework's creeping up on you. Your mom. Yeah, I hadn't that.
2: done it. I didn't do. I hadn't done the homework at that point. Maybe I would tend to it on Sunday night. More likely on Monday morning on the bus, half acidly or otherwise.
1: Ah, bad memories. Now here's a sixty minutes clock for me, Dave. The, yeah, the, that was it. That was it. That's where my mom was like. Homework done, then you're screwed.
2: I couldn't Bye. fully enjoy moving on up, you know, the, with the Jefferson's. You watch the theme, and yeah, it's great. But you're like, all right, we've got about like 20 more minutes here, you know? That was the magic of the George Michael sports machine. People attribute great powers. That was probably even predate you. You're so young, and Eddie yeah, Spaghetti. Yeah, right. But that show, you would sit through it it, it. it proved the power of how awful going to school the next morning was because it didn't make a difference. What was on? You were gonna stare at anything. Wait, this is this is semi-relevant programming at 11:30 at night. I'm in whatever allows me to 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 stave off sleep and waking up for school the next day. But yeah, I, I with the thing with the playoff, the the way um, that the, well, everybody knows uh, that Alabama would smoke um, Cincinnati. You know what? Well, jo- okay, fine. Put the Bearcats out there with Georgia. What do you think is gonna happen? what do you think is going to happen when you put George on the field with any team? I mean, this different standard and also the application of like, come on, Ohio state deep down is better. It's like, do you not like movies? Did you not enjoy Star Wars? Yeah, the the Empire would would beat uh, Skywalker and company 9 times out of 10. The joy is when it doesn't happen. You have to you have to allow Do we hate underdogs now? Is that is that the message that uh, that we're sending to to society here college football? It upsets me greatly, as you can tell.
1: It, it does yeah, it does for me as well. Uh because I mean, you look in, in we we haven't. I mean, we've had these examples in the not so distant past of an Alabama getting beat by a team that they shouldn't probably get. How, you know, how about Utah uh, in the Sugar Bowl, long time ago, right? But I talk happened. about that
2: one all the time. Yeah, that that, was, that was a huge piece of proof that you can put a good team that uh, Utah, Alex Smith, and guy they smoked Pitt. Pitt wasn't a great team that year, but they were a Power Five team and all that. They whipped them, but good.
1: What sucks and what we, how we got ourselves into this situation is honestly the first year of the playoff. Because the first year of the playoff, I believe it was a two-loss Big Ten champion Ohio State that was hot at the end of the year, got in at the four seed, beat Alabama, beat the doors off Alabama, really, won the national championship. That screwed us. Because then it's like it went from you know, looking at it to where if you know if Ohio State gets in because they won the Big Ten championship, cool, and then they get their doors blown off of Alabama, maybe it's a little different. But because they won the first year as the four seed, then everybody's like, "Well, that's the best roster. You know, it's the best team playing the best at that time." And they they set themselves up for failure with that, but they set themselves up for failure with just now that it's four teams because then it's like, "Well, we don't have these automatic bids." So then, with the automatic bids, then the objectivity gets out of it, and it's all just. It's a mess. Like it's just amazing to me that the a a, a product that is this valuable, that like this much money goes into, that this many people watch and care about, can never consistently, literally back into the '70s, '80s when they just had what a newspaper vote on who the best champion was. Figure it out, guys.
2: Like I like that just fine. I've had my arguments about that. I mean, but it really is. When I, you know, when I was growing up, you would. I, you know, if you gave me in in NHL in Sega ninety four, NHL ninety four, if I had the Penguins, it got to a point with my pals. It was like you're not even allowed to play with them because there's no way to to beat you if you have sixty six yeah. in Damischek's mitts. That it, it's over before it starts. Yeah. Now yeah. listen, I'm not proud of this. Am I a petulant ass? Sure, I am, but. Once in a while, somebody would score a goal against me in the first minute or two. And I might hit the reset button, you know, like, (laughs) ah, come on. Like, you know, because we all know we all know (laughs) that I'm going to win anyway. But why? Why? why, I want it pristine. I don't want that one against me in any. So that was petulant. But the committee has to be better than I was. You understand? It's like, well, well, Alabama, but eh, but you know, they're still better that like. No, there's no reset button. They lost the game. That's the flow of this season-long tournament. So it makes me crazy. Now, philosophically, you mentioned Purdue and the Hoosiers as it happens, not playing, not in contention, as far as I know, for the Final Four. Michigan is with a victory. Do you now root for Michigan to win that game and go to the Final Four, or do you root for Iowa to knock them off very likely opening the door for Notre Dame. And you don't even have to get to that level of calculating. You're an Indiana guy. I, you know, I, I obviously matriculated in, uh, in southern Indiana for, yeah. for four years. You're more dyed-in-the-wool. I assume you don't like Notre Dame. But either way, don't let that even get in the way. Just philosophically, I get if you hate Notre Dame, you want Michigan to win to keep Notre Dame out of it. But in your gut, as a Big Ten guy, is it good or bad for Michigan
1: to win this game? Great, would well, yeah for Big Ten, yeah, right. No, I mean, no, no, no. As a conference guy, no. I'm taking I'm objectivity here. I'm taking it out. I'm no. excited that Michigan's in Indy this weekend. I'm excited that they'll finally hopefully get a chance to get in. Well, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. You should wait. wait, you a Bengals fan now too? <laughs> I'm not a fan of that team. What I'm saying is that uh, I don't want to see the door opened. I don't want Michigan to open the door for the committee to be licking their chops back there, doing the meme of spice Adams rubbing their hands together because they're like, Oh yeah. Now that Michigan's out, give me a two loss Ohio state, give me a two loss Bama. And then we find ourselves having, uh, uh Georgia a two loss Bama a two loss Ohio State and then whoever I, mean, I guess Cincinnati whoever gives a hell whatever the last one is I don't want that I don't want I'm a big person that's like the the, the whole leading up to your resume your, your portfolio of what you've done your your product of work matters you can't just do like we talked about where it's like well Alabama lost three games and they didn't make their conference title game but Nick Saban neutral field I mean come on like that, that doesn't make any sense. That is a terrible, terrible argument that should not be able to just be like, well, I mean, God, that's essentially what they're saying. Yes, of of course. I'm I'm, uh, sorry. Committee of people who get paid a lot, who are very well off, who get to sit in a room and eat, you know, kush pizza and just, just hang out and talk about college football. Essentially what you're saying, if that happens is you, they get to sit there, lean back in their leather chair and go, that's the argument. That's not acceptable. Of course, that's of course, that's true. Listen, you think about the
2: things that you would eliminate from history if you took the Celtics played the Houston Rockets in the '86 NBA Finals. Did anybody in that moment say like, ah, come on, it's magic and cut? Everybody knows that the Lakers are better than the Rockets. Send them anyway. That'll be better. I mean, just, these, these nonsensical arguments about, and, and, and it's the same people who couldn't stand when when I was growing up and I liked the polls at the end of the 20th century for the most part there were some weird seasons where things weren't completely satisfying but that hasn't been resolved people are awfully unsatisfied with the results anyway um but uh, but yes the the idea that we should eliminate that be, because the subjective the same thing as the polls are too subjective what are we the committee is subjective, too. Like, yeah, come on. Ah, oh, come on. You know, you, you know, the better. the, the, the committee is world. supposed
1: to eliminate this stuff. And it would have been like you would have been like it. Just remind me, it would have been like uh, you, you mentioned the Celtics and the and the Rockets. It would have been like, in five when our, our boys in black and gold come into Indy. They punch the Colts in the mouth in January. Vandershank, you know, does his thing and misses the field goal. It would have been the NFL playoffs saying, the Colts did beat the hell out of the Steelers in Monday night football earlier in the year. They had a chance to tie it, would have probably won in overtime. Sorry Pittsburgh, you're going home. You're packing your bags and you're going home. Rest in peace, Chilkin. All right, listen. I
2: we we've staved it off staved it off as long as we could here. Let's let's get to it. The main event now. You you boosted the spirits, I hope, of college football enthusiasts. Now let's turn our gaze to one of the 32 teams. As John Facenda. I'll paraphrase him. I'll update it for the 21st century. But as you may know, he said once, there are 31 teams in the National Football League. And then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, if he were to say that now, I think he would be identifying there are pro football teams that have the ability to stop the opponent from scoring every time they touch the ball. And then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers because in 2021, things are awfully bleak in terms of defense. You know, I feel like Joey for all, and I've been saying this for a year for all the, or almost uh, pretty much since the Cleveland game in, in January, which is now rivaled, not as bad as what happened in, in um, Pittsburgh in January, but this was pretty embarrassing stuff in Cincinnati on Sunday, Um, but ever in between those two games, I keep saying over and over again, I get all the hand-wringing about 39-year-old Roethlisberger's immobility and all that. The offensive line ain't great. It ain't up to snuff, and hopefully it'll round into shape before 2022. And uh, Deontay Johnson drops the ball too much, and so on and so forth. But this team is predicated on being defense-dominant, and all, it, when they fell apart down the stretch last year in that playoff game and now consistently big plays, inability to stop anything. I feel like it's been until the Devin Bush emerging melodrama here now that he hasn't been good, even though they traded it up to get him. I feel like the offense and its struggles have obscured the the real headline here, which is what's going on. This is a defense that has T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick and so on and so forth.
1: That whole side of the ball, anybody who's a reserve, anybody who plays a lot, anybody who's a starter, really, Sands, Cam Hayward, really, Keith Butler, Coach Tom, everybody should send their their merry thank yous and pleasantries to Big Ben simply for the fact that he's 39 and that the media and the football world doesn't like him and never has because – If it wasn't for the 39-year-old geriatric quarterback that we have back there, you know, who was formerly Superman, who is now a shell of his old self because that's just what happens, if it wasn't for that, to your point, this defense would be getting absolutely slaughtered. It's real easy for Stephen A. and everybody else to go on TV and to just punch the hell out of Big Ben. He's a big guy. He's not that likable to outside people. He's got a cold, blah, 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 whatever. They go and they can punch him up. But Big Ben ain't been giving up over 950 yards in the last two games. And that's a fact. Those are factual numbers. 950 yards in the last two football games. To the point, Dave, like you said, I am am more than surprised when that team gets off the field now. When that defense gets off the field, if they give up three, I'm like, eh, okay. We're working with something here. And they
2: don't turn you over hardly. I mean, they hardly ever do. It. I mean, this, as I, the, the analogy I always make is it would be like if golden state in their mini dynasty was like, yeah, they're just not making any perimeter shots. Like that was like, well, that within well, then, then their entire thing falls apart. Right. This, it is supposed to be about the defense and they're supposed to dominate you and heat you up. And well, I, I get complete. I'm the first to say, I think maybe they win the Raiders game if T.J. Watt doesn't get hurt early in that one. And then things look different. And if Roethlisberger doesn't get covid, they probably survive Detroit. And then we're kind of talking about I know it's crazy to to make excuses like this, but then you're talking about seven and four. And if we're saying, hey, the, the Ravens have overcome injuries, that's a completely different Uh, structure there you have an in his prime dynamic quarterback who's overcoming all those things we knew in March that this Steelers team was not going to be carried by Roethlisberger the defense had to step up before the offensive line would round into shape instead the story has become in part the injuries but really I feel like are you reading this the way I am I, I think that Devin Bush is You know the fans are coming down on him real hard, and that's one thing. But I feel like you can kind of read between the lines with like, "Hey, this isn't the Steelers' way. You play hard for fourth quarter or through four quarters, and you you got to fill your gap and you got to get off blocks and make tackles." I think that's I mean maybe I'm looking for trouble, but I feel like that's directed at 55. How say you? Because he was. Because you watch Patrick Queen with the Ravens, and he's the sideline, the sideline guy, and now Jok and Cleveland also effective against Lamar Jackson largely, and that's what Devin Bush was supposed to be, and what that what they wanted out of Devin Bush is kind of an irreplaceable skill set, um, and it, it, I feel like things are really imploding in a lot it, with a outsized percentage of the blame going at fifty five. How say you?
1: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean the. There's so much blame to go around. And and unfortunately for Devin Bush, it does mostly fall on him. But I mean, you know, you got you got a head coach that is uh, you know has a has a background in secondary, right? And that's where he made his hay with Tampa Bay, you know, won a Super Bowl there, got hired. Secondary, no splash plays consistently over the years, has their back somehow turned to the football while the football is being thrown at the player that they're defending. I mean, they're, they're, like, they're, there's been no improvement there. Guys like James Pierre come in, stink it up. Terrell Edmonds is a first-round pick. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, there's so much to go around here. The lack of adjustments, like how a quarterback, uh, Justin Herbert in LA, L.A., can run for 96 yards or whatever, and, and we still go into the second half. Hey, put up some numbers in the first half. Maybe I uh, have a spy. Maybe we uh, bracket him a little bit. Nothing. Gets out every third and four. I agree well, that that is
2: legitimately a specific, uh, specifically disconcerting element of what's happened. Not just even this season, but it's the inability in season to adjust to these things that are painfully aware to anybody who watches them week in and week out, or half to half,
1: like you say. My so this the Steelers team frustrates me a lot, and the the people who follow this team frustrate me a lot because there's so much like mutually exclusive chatter going on with things. You can respect coach Tomlin and the, and the resume that he has and the career that he's had. And we get that. He's never had any losing seasons, but also you can look at the last five or six years and say, someone's got to give here. Terrible loss to Cleveland in the playoffs. Embarrassment at home. Just got bears swept by the Bengals twice. Uh, uh, haven't had a playoff win in five years. You let down in the last four Decembers. You got beat by Blake Bortles at home and your last best chance, really, to win a Super Bowl when you had the prime 26, the prime 84, and the prime 7, the prime offensive line, and you blew it there. You can respect Coach Tomlin and what he's done and also say, what's going on? you got to get more out of your guys. There has to be more that you get out of your guys here. Same thing with uh, thing with, with the defense. Same thing with Big Ben. Big Ben, Hey, seven, you've been great. It's been a hell of a ride. You're a hell of a player, Hall of Fame player, two Super Bowls with you, a third that you've been to, great memories. Also, you're shell yourself, and you're really hard to watch right now. And honestly, if we had a younger guy that could move around a little bit back there and not be a sitting duck, maybe Duck Hodges, I don't know, things would probably be a little bit better off. The, the mutual exclusivity with this fan base of the people who follow drives me nuts. Like you can have one hand over here saying this and two hands over here saying that. And it doesn't exist. It's either, well, you want to fire Mike Tomlin? Don't you see what he's done? Or yeah, big Ben sucks. He's terrible. He's old. Uh, well, he is old, but like he has been good for a really long time. It's just exhausting, man. I mean, there's just so much to go around. There's so much disappointment, so much lack of adjustment. I mean, what I saw on Sunday in Cincinnati, I was embarrassed for the first time in my life to be a Steelers fan. It was an absolute putrid showing of everything.
2: I'll do you one worse. That's not the first time I was embarrassed. As you mentioned, the Jacksonville playoff, I mean, the playoff game, the Steelers were were significantly better as well as as that defense was playing. They got embarrassed. And it was uh, the exact same first quarter against Cleveland less than a year ago. Now this one. And, you know, everybody in the NFL these days gets blown out at least once. The Cardinals have been blown out. Tom Brady has been, the Patriots have been, the Bills have been. So the Steelers aren't unique in that regard. And I am willing to give them some latitude in the vacuum of 2021. I don't think if you hook Tomlin or Colbert or anyone up to a lie detector, that they would say, yeah, I think this is a Super Bowl contender if things go just right. I think they were trying to thread the needle that the 2015 Broncos were. Get decent play. Get three or four big-time plays out of your Hall of Fame quarterback and let the defense dominate. And the defense hasn't held up its end of the bargain. I think they knew that this was a transition year. I guess if there were anything to change – if you if you had one move, if you were in the seat of Kevin Colbert for this past ten months, what's the one move you would have made? Forcing Roethlisberger out, even though he indicated I'm coming back, guys, and so you owe me a certain chunk of loot, and I, I I'm I'm gonna play. There was no way around everybody's fantasies about that they should have purged him i'm not sure exactly how you do it without especially colored by how a b left Palomalu left lev bell now uh melvin ingram james harrison if you push your franchise qb out the door against his will that's that takes on a a real ugly tone to it um i think you know 2020 hindsight on where the cap landed and everything, if they would have signed a guy like Lindsley to play center who instead landed out in Los Angeles for the Chargers, I think that would have set things up in a completely different trajectory. You drop a a vet right into the middle of the offensive line, but you could also sell me on Steven Nelson uh, re-signing instead of rolling with James Pierre. How say you? Or make a different draft pick in the first round if you wish.
1: No, because I'm not about I, I, you know, people want to come down hard on Najee, and I, I'm I'm not with that. I mean, it's the situation he was landed in, you know, like there are it,
2: enough defensive it, players already coming down hard on him because no one blocked yeah. in front of him.
1: <laughs> if Najee, you know, it, it, and you know, everybody wants to talk about old James Conner and what, what he's doing in Arizona. If Najee was drafted to Arizona somehow, he'd be an all pro. Sure. I mean, yeah, like, it, you know, it, it, yeah, that's great for James Conner. Again, like you could be happy for James Conner, good deal. Wasn't working in Pittsburgh. Wasn't going to work in Pittsburgh, right? So you had to get Najee Harris. I, I am, I am tired of this franchise as it currently sits being completely strangled by the ending of this Roethlisberger tenure. I, I, I get that he is the franchise. I get that he's been the franchise. I get that. You know, for the last 17 years, you've been back to the Pittsburgh Steelers because you have Big Ben back there and you have a chance. But if you just like in the way I'm looking at it more and more, I'm just like I feel like Colbert and Tomlin and everybody, even, you know, the, the Cam Hayward. I feel like these guys are just being held hostage by Big Ben, just not wanting to hang it up. Walk out, man. Walk out when when you're when when you're, you know, instead of like that Batman line. You know, sometimes you'll, you either live, you die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I mean, he's bordering on that, man. Like how tired are folks at Pittsburgh or the Steelers Nation? Or how tired are they going to be of, of watching this really sad showing of this guy who's been Superman for us for so long just crumble down the stretch? You know, like it, it is really shaping up to be a very, very bad ending with the schedule that the Steelers have, I agree with, with that, the that the team is playing with, with the, the, the absolute just lack of life and everything you're looking at six, 10 and one Dave, maybe right now, six, 10 and one, if that happens, you know, I am not big
2: on just generally speaking because I'm a great guy. I don't advocate to fire other human beings and have them go jobless and all that. But specifically with this, this is a classic sort of like, they dude, they, they got to get rid of Tomlin, dude. they locker room don't respect them no more. They, he's met, they're tuning him out clearly and all that. What's, what's the answer? The same thing I would say about Roethlisberger. If he's going to say, I'm coming back, and I, I hear hear on people don't want to see it and it's uncomfortable. it's watching Ali when he had the mustache at the in the twilight of his career that that's the equivalent of Roethlisberger kind of limping around instead of shredding she, uh, shedding 300 uh, pound men with the greatest of ease and all of that. there just wasn't a solution. I think Colbert and Tomlin and everybody else under and Canada and everybody else understood he's coming back with this, this is what we have to do. I hear all your stuff going forward i do think that you know it it's bad early returns on the last chunk of the season that tomlin made a big deal about like we're approaching this like this is a significant game in our locker room going to cincinnati we need we're not going to ignore that you know we have men ready to step up standard is the standard and then to throw that stinker out there i don't know what you what you do after that fails how platitudinous one can get to turn things around unleash hell in December. Like, I mean, I'm sure Patrick Mahomes is laughing at that notion. Lamar Jackson is giggling right now, thinking about like, oh yeah, unleash hell on me. uh, Coach Tomlin, we're, we're terrified over here in charm city. Um, What do you think though? I, I, I really am interested to see if they can turn this around at all. Show any signs of life. And if you're right, I mean, they they very well could be playing in Baltimore in the last week of the season, trying to break a what, five, six game losing streak. Ah, It's all grim. Let's instead talk about a guy who you're high on or, in fact, give me the answer for who you would like under center. There's talk of Kenny Pickett. He might have played too well for the Steelers to be able to draft him a nice Joe Burrow esque type story though going back to the homeland and all that if if he could actually just stay in Heinz Field until and you know put his feet up all through spring and summertime and then just put on a black jersey instead of a blue one that's an answer Matt Corral is out there Carson Strong Malik Willis a lot of good college names or would you rather them go after I think this is going to be the all-time juiciest offseason for um big name free agent QBs I think Everybody knows about Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson is a legit, I think, legitimately in play. I don't think Baker Mayfield. I don't know that the Browns do you bring think, him what back. What are you
1: thinking about Russ? Do you have inside source or do you just have a feel? I
2: think it makes sense. I think he wants to win. I think he would want to go to a stable place. I think he would look at the pass catchers available to him. He has succeeded with a good defense. Allegedly, that's what the Steelers are supposed to be next year. Um, they'll be expected to be that again next year. It makes sense to me. I can also see the Cleveland Browns going hard after him. Also, Washington could do it and New Orleans. I, he, You know, Russ loves Sean Payton and loves Drew Brees and all that. That also makes sense. But Derek Carr could be in play. I can't wait to see what happens with Baker Mayfield. For all of his ads, we were laughing last week. I don't know if there's ever been a guy who has had this level of endorsement loot and could be conceivably, you know, in a couple months, could be like, well, I mean, nobody's nobody's gonna pay that guy to be their starting quarterback in the NFL. Like maybe Houston, but who who really is going out of their way if, if the Browns decide we took our shot here Bake, but we're not giving you the long time deal. Then what? Is Baker Mayfield uh, destined to be a backup? That's a that's a real possibility. And I I just I don't buy that the sky is falling and in the age of free agency it's going to be a 10-year period of waiting for the next guy. If your personnel guy is good at drafting or bringing in the right free agent, it's going to be a very short time on the shelf. You saw what the Patriots have done, turning things around real quick. You bring in the right guy. The Rams have mostly succeeded bringing in um, a high-profile guy. I think it's as easy as that. the The trick is to not miss on the draft pick. If you do that, if you pick the wrong guy, if you're the Jets and you take Sam Darnold, well, then you're screwed. But sure, or if you're, you know, short of that mistake, and it's a sizable one, I don't think that doom awaits um, any fan base out there because their big name quarterback is about to move on whether it's Seattle, Pittsburgh, or otherwise.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I'm i with it. It, it. it will be fun and that's why we're kind of at this weird point right now because it's like, okay, you know, Kaboli, our guy Kaboli sent out, you know, I thought it was a very spot on tweet this morning. He was like, this may be the most important, you know, but you know, besides Super Bowls or whatever, you know, you look at regular season, this may be the most important game in the tenure of Mike Tomlin because all of a sudden five, five, and one, Arch rival coming in, if the Steelers lay another stinker like they have the last two weeks at Heinz Field to Baltimore, I mean, then everything hits the fan. Then you're you're then you're again you're really looking at five, eleven, and one. Six, home field
2: disadvantage the boo birds <laughs> will hit them hard if if they if they're running hard. off the field at the end of the second quarter and it's you know 24-3 or whatever Ravens it, it's going to be unrelenting and there will be a fair amount of provincial noise calling for Tomlin's head I suspect he'll survive no
1: matter what but yeah then- I think so. too, but they should be they're, I mean if that's the case if it's another 21 to three, 24 to 10, just pitiful. That's right. At- I, I agree with you about it. That's fair.
2: It's the nature of the, it's not losing close games and man, they could have eaten the chargers and it was so close. And maybe if Minka, the block field goal counts, who knows what happens in Lambeau getting yeah. humiliated in the fashion that they did. I mean, you know, and it was fluky that they got back into the chargers game um, because of block kick and a block punt and everything else. But that really salvages it being even worse right now. If they don't, you know, get a couple of fluky bounce off Cam Hayward's helmet and a block punt, then they would have gotten housed in two straight. And you're right. I mean, I it's hard for me to make a case that um, that things are that this is, that all losses aren't equal, that this will that this will start to there'll be mounting evidence that, boy, this guy's lost the team. And if Devin Bush gets sideways, like I fear he might. This is this is all too sad. I want to,
1: I I have to go. I got got to follow up on a couple things because that Chargers game, literally, they scored at will. They go into Denver next week in Vic Fangio. They struggled getting up 14 points. Looked like a JV team compared to, looked like a freshman team compared to. I thought that uh, was going to
2: be their launching pad, as it just turned out. The Steelers have become everybody's mulligan.
1: Yeah, just like, oh yeah,
2: we get right when we play them. But now back to reality. Now we got to right. play the Denver Broncos.
1: Right. <laughs> this is embarrassing. Yeah, exactly right. Come on. Uh, but the quarterback situation. I, I mean, Jay Glazer has been on very, you know, very public about you know in his relationship with Mike Tomlin. He's reported multiple, multiple times. Tomlin doesn't want to start over. You don't want a rookie quarterback. Okay. So you know if you're taking it at that heading into 2022 winter into the draft season talk, you know in the free agency. For taking it with that, then it's like, okay, are we thinking then we're not going to draft, but are we going are we going, you know, the Jacoby Brissett, Tyrod Taylor, Marcus Mariota bunch to kind of hold over until you you get that guy, or are you going balls out and you're laying something on the table for Russell Wilson, you're laying something on the table for Aaron Rodgers or one of those guys because we've talked a lot about Devin Bush here today, Dave. But I will go back to this. I've seen a lot on Twitter. I've seen a lot on people writing about it. Well, I don't see the Steelers really trading up a lot of draft capital to go get their guy. It's just not the Steelers' way. You traded up over 10 picks to the top 10 to get an undersized inside linebacker because you thought he was going to be the key to changing your defense. Don't give me this. We don't do that. That's not how we do business out here. You did it for a guy like Devin Bush. If you're not going to do it for a quarterback, then you need to just clean slate the entire upper management because that's a joke.
2: It, it's hard for me as a, uh, you know, born on the banks of the Three Rivers. You're, you're born with a hose attached to one of your shoulder blades. Mine happens to be on the left. Kenny Pickett is a Jersey native for all intents and purposes, though. A lot of people on the banks of the three rivers rightly see the narrative to correct what they did wrong in the early eighties, not taking the local kid Marino. There's that element. Dad has mentioned that numerous times. It does come with, it does come though with the stink of, of before Kenny Pickett ever puts on a pro football. If he played for the Steelers and be like, Dave, Dave, he's going to, he got to be like Marino. Like, well, Marino was one of the three or four best in the history of people. So don't put that on the kid before he ever plays. If he wound up in Pittsburgh, but very easy for me to get excited about the storyline of Kenny Pickett moving from the pit locker room into the Steelers locker room. I like for, to me, I know it sounds uninspired, maybe even laughable, but Marcus Mariota and then draft a kid in the first round. And that combo to me would get it done. And if you can get Russell Wilson, great. And I think it's plausible that, uh, that you could do that. But I, I, I do have to ask you to dance again in our in our bizarro world where the Bengals now own the Pittsburgh Steelers for for decades, literally since Collinsworth has sat up in that booth, he always has a chip on his shoulder and, and to his credit, he kind of wears. It. He's like, ah, I got to tell you, the Steelers, they just own us. They just uh, they just own when he's not swooning over Lamar Jackson. By the way, I I, I it's it's kind of weird to watch the game when. First of all, I watched Gary Danielson on Saturday just swoon over Bryce Young. Like, this young man is... Like, hey, he has three points against Auburn. They're not a world-beater right. defense. Like, this is the guy who has to get the Heisman Trophy now? And then you watch Sunday night, like, hey, look at Jadavie Clowney. He just doesn't know what to do, Al. Like, what is this guy? There's no solve code. There's no... There's no, Nobody can figure out what to do with this guy. It's like... He... Has 13 points against the Browns. He threw four interceptions. Like this is it? This is the gold standard of what every team now crazy. Like, he's right. he's redefined what a, a quarterback what do you want on your team in pro football. Uh, Mike or Al or whoever's sitting next to me. They like I think what I mean. I, I get that it's is. exciting what he does. It's like whoa. I wouldn't be able to. well Imagine that guy would break my ankles. Like oh. Okay. Okay, but are it, they going to win in January doing it this way? I don't favorite, think so. My favorite
1: line, my favorite line from the Cleveland-Baltimore uh, game on Sunday night was when uh, I think the Mac- McMillan, Ray- Rayquan McMillan, uh, the D-lineman for, for the Browns, he was running to the sideline because Lamar was doing his thing, and, and Lamar kind of stepped out, and then he bumped him, got the 15 yards. <laughs> and then Collinsworth's like, don't you just get the feel that it's like a kid with an ice cream truck? I mean, they don't they don't ever get him. So once they get there, they don't know what to do with the guy, Al. So they just knock him out because they're so excited to finally get their hands on Lamar Jackson. I mean, I really think that's what it's like. Like he busted out an ice cream. I was like, oh my god, dude. What are we talking about? He really, he really does.
2: He clearly is one of those people. And I like I I really do enjoy his work. I I, but I I do do think he definitely writes stuff down before the game that he wants to say and Whatever evidence is on your television does not have to match up. Or he's like, that is, uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes makes a throw like that. Like, what are you going to do? Like, this, this is all the Chiefs offense needs to get going. Like, just a, one play like that. It's like, we're in the fourth quarter. And they're struggling against this bum team they're playing. But, like, you're still swooning over this? You're allowed to identify that this stinks, what you're looking at. But Collinsworth is now looking at a world. Where after all these years of conceding, like the steel, uh, the, the Steelers own us. They, they they're a bully and they beat us. I'd like to think that he's about to get really passive aggressive uh, and start pitying the Steelers and counseling the Steelers fans. Okay, so can, can I can I put you on the spot to to sort of address the AFC North and the Steelers <laughs> and the Bengals and all that as Chris Collinsworth?
1: Boy, I'm not too used to this, Al. I mean, finally, the Steelers, knowing how I felt all those years in Cincinnati, I probably would have played longer if I wouldn't douse myself in skyline chili after the Steelers came in and just blew our doors off. I mean, it's just year after year. It's like when you have your big brother and he just continues to just put your face in the dirt and then. You hit puberty, and you get a little hair down there, and finally you fuck up and you decide you're going to be done with it, Al. And that's exactly what we're seeing with the Bengals right now. Changing of the guard in the AFC North, there is no doubt about it.
2: Yeah, Joe Burrow taking uh, old man Roethlisberger down into the blocks and making baskets over him and beating him at, in first to eleven oh, yeah. for the first time in his life. That's exactly kind of what it feels like. But yep. we've kept you way too long, Joe. You're the you're the tops. We appreciate uh, you making time for us and are pleased as punch for all your success, man. And like I told you before, you really filled a time as we get well not away from COVID since I don't know if you heard. There's a new one now, but um, it. Yeah. You really did do a great service for society in the, in those first few months, especially when we were when we were all like, what do we what do we do now? How do we fill our day? There was always it felt like at least one nice uh, video up there to laugh at that you were providing our eyeballs. And so uh, we're thankful for that. Continued success, man. And you know your success now becomes more important since we can't lean on the Steelers' success. But who knows? <laughs> so, listen, we beat them birdies, and then uh, we beat them birdies, and then uh, you know things ain't. It ain't like uh, you got the uh, Chicago Bears in uh, eight and five. Bears ain't playing, dude. It's uh, them birdies ain't that good. <laughs> Bryan's is done. That's a win. You know that. We yes.
1: they are they will beat them. Dave thanks man it's uh god this was a very needed uh after sunday's debacle a nice little therapy session here and i'm sure you know uh once it comes to springtime and free agency and, and the drafts. We'll have plenty to, as you say, kibitz about, and I would love nothing more to, to hop back on, man. So I really appreciate the kind words and and uh, you being a, a mentor to me. I, I really do. It means a lot. So oh, please. Thanks.
2: You need no help from anybody. But uh, yes, anytime, uh, it, it, let's count it as a date for spring, if not before, if somehow, maybe, they, you know what, could be a home game in January in Pittsburgh. If there is, I say here you know. and now we meet up at it, right? Let's do it. Dave, we can right. reel off five in a row.
1: Dave, we're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Unleashing hell, man. Eddie, good to see you too, dude. Sorry about the Giants.
2: <laughs> <laughs> see, could always be worse. Together, bro. They're in we're playoff we're contention. We can't make fun. And he's a Notre Dame fan, and he's going to wind up in the playoff when it's all said and done. By Sunday night, he's going to be laughing at us when they're in the playoff. Right, Spaghetti?
3: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I do feel bad that your Steelers are descending while my Giants are ascending. But, no, I, I think Oak State will still get uh, the nod ahead of Notre Dame. And I'll be a fair Notre Dame fan. I do think that uh, that Oklahoma State does deserve it over them. But um, that's the, that's, you know, the craziness about college football. What if
1: Baylor wins? What if Baylor wins? Well, Michigan loses. Notre Dame is there. Is it Notre Dame over Baylor? I
3: think well, Notre Dame would definitely – they need Bama to lose Georgia in the title game. Uh, they need – I think Bama's bad win versus Auburn actually – I don't think a two win Bama will get in, especially if Georgia like beats them by two three scores. I think it's gonna be tough. And I th- and then yeah, we need an Iowa win first, Michigan in the Big Ten championship, and then you need Baylor to somehow beat Oklahoma State in the Big Twelve. Which I'm I'm not feeling too great about any of those matchups. Uh, the only one I feel good about is Georgia winning. But even that, I still think Oklahoma State will get in before then, which is which is fine. It is what it is.
2: I don't care about any. Just please Georgia for society. Three-touchdown win at least over Bama. Put put an end to this nonsense and let Saban walk the sands all offseason and uh, ruminating about the
1: meaning of life. That would be fine no, by me. Real, real quick, what's going to happen? I've seen some projections. What's going to happen here if uh, Notre Dame and Kenny Pickett and the Panthers – Panthers meet in the Fiesta Bowl what I haven't heard that rumor let's get it on spaghetti
3: it seems like the Fiesta Bowl is where Notre Dame would head, uh, oh. head up if if they don't make the the final four but look it's been a good story I I've Notre Dame is what, one of the, the Kenny Pickett story I agree I think Notre Dame, they'd be running into a buzzsaw right now. They're playing as good as football as any team in the country. So uh, that's my well, honest opinion.
2: You on it with the, a buzzsaw? What do you mean? So you're saying now Notre that Dame's happens? Notre Dame's
3: been great. Notre Dame's been awesome lately. What do you I mean, think every, the
2: line would be on that?
3: Notre Dame Joey? would be favored by, I would say, over a touchdown.
1: Oh,
2: they would not. Do you I think, think so. that's true, Joey? They would not be favored Saturday by a touchdown half.
1: over Pitt. Notre Dame, Pitt. Hey, Dave, on a neutral field. right? <laughs> <laughs> neutral field Brian Kelly over uh who's your boy out there uh and who's who's leading the charge the, the deuce um, pa- Pat Narduzzi Pat Narduzzi Brian Kelly Narduzzi neutral field I mean that's at least a touchdown there Dave all right
2: well <laughs> then I'll see you in uh I'll see you both then I guess in uh in Arizona for the fiesta Bowl. I'd be more than happy to, to see you out there you're the top right. uh, Joey keep it up man uh be appreciate nice. all the time pal thanks buddy There he goes, Eddie Spaghetti. What did you think? Was that good?
3: I feel like you guys needed that little therapy session for the Steelers. Uh, You know, it's a season. the, The most frustrating season in sports is the one that's teetering on, like, am I a playoff team or are we a bad team? Like, for me, it's easy. I'm just a bad team, so it's like you got a couple nice wins. You beat your rival, the Eagles. Like, yeah, whatever. But you know, when things are said and done, your team still stinks. What's things about the the Steelers, and especially watching the game like last night, the Browns uh, Ravens game, where obviously kind of rooting for like a Ravens loss to bring them kind of back down. And then you guys are still in the mix. It's it's got to be so frustrating because you don't. You're. I know you're not giving up hope, and it sounds like you know Joey may be a little bit more harsh, but isn't really giving up hope either. But it, it's not fun to be a, a sports fan of a team.
2: But but again, as I keep saying, this moving of the goalpost thing with the Steelers, like psh, this this team, this is your team. They're like they're gonna they're gonna beat the cheat. They're gonna go to nobody ever talked about this team, including me. as like some Super Bowl contender. I never picked them to win the division or anything else. It was was gonna be uh, if they, you know, what I root for is for them to get to nine seven and one now. And keep, the, keep on rolling. That's a nice record. People can be cynical about never going, um, ne- always having a winning record or, or never having a losing record if you're Tomlin. It is meaningful. That is a a great standard to maintain. And that's I think that's what you root for now. And if by, you know, do I now think that they're going to go five and one? No, I don't. But if they did, they would win the division, probably, if that one doesn't come in the division. If they beat the Ravens twice and the Browns once, then they're in play, but the Ravens are ahead of schedule where I thought they were. That's really mucked things up, and the Browns are probably done. So anyway, um, enough about all that. Um, good times, yes. I felt we needed – I appreciate anybody who's still listening to us right now indulging that uh, that heavy Steelers talk because this very, very likely does end any meaningful Steelers talk for the rest of the regular season and wanted to get it in with one of, uh, one of their biggest fans um, – before it really, really got to be too self indulgent to be talking about the Steelers when the playoff race is really heating up there. So, anyway, good time. So, did you like the impressions?
3: Oh, they're always the best. I mean, I, his videos are, are must watch every time he like uh, you scroll on Twitter or social media. You see him, you got to tap it, you got to listen to full volume because he's he's as good as it gets. The subtleties of what
2: I mean, like he's getting better at doing impressions, which yep. is admirable. A lot of people just like they're good at something and then they just stay there. It's sort of like we always talk about with like a quarter. A lot of guys can go into an NFL game as a quarterback and kind of light up a team. And you're like, where'd this guy come from? It's another thing when the defense then adjusts to you and to keep doing it. It's kind of like that. Yeah, we know what to expect, Joe. He us something new and he keeps doing that. So I, uh, I tip my hat to him on that front. But let's set all that aside and let's get back to a little bit of puck talk. I want to hear about Ovechkin. Spaghetti and meatballs. I want to hear about meatballs' first trip to Long Island to the new arena. I, you know how good a guy I am, Spaghetti, and I texted this to Meatballs to prove it to him how good a guy I am. I'm glad that the Penguins beat him in his first game, but I am sad that they that the Islanders didn't score a goal. Although I almost laughed when I just said that, but I but I do but I do, I legitimately do feel bad for him to go to the building and all that to see the new place. You don't even get the stand up and cheer one time in three periods. That's sad.
3: They are in a real tough spot. And, uh, you know, I texted him something similar that about like, you know, he says he still has faith and that's like a running theme in the show is that he still has faith in the Islanders. But I do feel bad in the sense that having a 13 game road stretch to open up your season to start, you know, for the, obviously the building of the, of the UBS arena and then having all their, uh, they, the NHL's COVID protocols are quite strange and nobody seems to understand them fully, but it seems like the Islanders have had uh way more COVID, you know, Pr- protocol uh, absences because of it so they just had a, or dealt a really bad hand and I, I do feel it for them this is a team that was up there in the odds to win the Stanley Cup finals and now they may be you know at the bottom of the, of the division so it's a crazy year
2: well yeah I, I look forward to hearing what your thoughts are in here real juggernaut though shaping up in the whale so many good teams over there um, before we get the spaghetti and meatballs though a quick word
3: All right. We're back Monday edition of spaghetti and meatballs right after Thanksgiving weekend and just too much hockey to talk about. We had to do it on a Monday and I'm um, here with Mikey meatballs with UBS as his name. Somebody went to the game, did not end well then for him though. Uh, and we'll get into a bunch of Islanders talk, but meatballs, what's up? How was the, the holidays and, and being home on the Island of your team?
4: Good. Uh, play some roller hockey, got some, some hockey in. UBS is great. Um, I, I dec- definitely recommend you check it out no matter what uh, what fan you are. But, um, yeah, and if you're there, Drew, uh, too, try the Islander, uh, the sandwich that's there. It's a bagel with cream cheese with a spicy chicken. Well, we'll uh, get into a,
3: a full review, but first, like you said, you're playing roller hockey.
4: Aren't the Islanders going to need to, like, sign you? <laughs> Maybe. They might need to have no <laughs> one left. They might need to sign uh Yeah, if you need someone to – uh, just block a bunch of shots and stand in front of the net. I what a what that. a what a rough rough time for for you guys. And we were
3: texting about it that you still have faith in them. And I'm like, and yeah, for sure. I mean, the team starting off with a 13 game road stretch, and then having uh, a lot of you know, this, the NHL is not ultra clear about the COVID protocols. I know a lot of people have issues with that. We don't know what's what. But the Islanders dealt a bad hand. They have uh, obviously dealing with that a lot. A couple other games postponed. Game two versus the Rangers uh, postponed. My Rangers getting the, the win uh, in round one. I know the uh, what was it? Islanders flyers also postponed. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a, a a bad deal lately for them. We'll get into Islanders in a second. Some quick hitters uh, going around the league here with some news. The, the Montreal Canadiens, what a fall from grace being in the, the Sailing Cup finals last year, obviously losing, and then firing their GM, Mark Bergaman, like, and now they're going to hire Jeff Gordon, former Rangers uh, GM, to the role of vice president. Uh, one of the biggest collapses. I mean, I can't think of a team in recent history, and we kind of knew this was coming. Like, I know that you were saying all oh, offseason, you didn't really like them. They lost a lot of pieces, but just a crazy fall from where they were. Uh, you know, a, a team that just got really hot in the playoffs last year, and now just, you know, going to have to go through a, a full blown rebuild now.
4: Yeah. They, um, Bottom line is they suck. And, yeah, uh, I really do. <laughs> you know, I think it, I said it a few weeks ago and I'll say it again. Got losing guys like Philip Deneau, I think really hurt. And sure. they did not replace uh, really any of that. And, you know, guys like Caulfield have not found success yet. So it's going to be tough until they can find, you know, their replacements. And, Right. Get on the same page with each other.
3: And and I don't want to spend too much time on this, but they, they are hiring Jeff Gordon, like I said. And, and he's a guy that, you know, people shouldn't look at it as like, oh, well, he turned around the Rangers. He'll turn around this team. It's like, well, he got the number two pick, then the number one pick. And they also signed Artemi Panarin before him. And they, like, you know, it was a thing where it wasn't like he kind of did all this. Like the Rangers had a pretty good minor league system. Like, look, if he turns around, good for him. But this is not the same scenario. Like, we have to really start from the ground up here. So uh, that'll be tough here. Uh, another. Another thing going on in the league, uh, Evander Kane was uh, cut or released or put on waivers, uh, and he's uh, his agent said he's seeking a trade. You know, there could be some teams that are interested in him. A lot of baggage with him as of late. I mean, I don't know, maybe a team like your Islanders could use some warm bodies. Maybe they can take a look at him. You don't want any part of that?
4: You know, talent-wise, I think uh... – I don't know. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say no. I don't. I don't need to yeah. get into it, but uh, I don't think it would mesh well with the the current clubhouse. I don't think it provides too much of a spark um, for a team like the Islanders. So I'm, I'm going to say no. Yeah, it of- would be. It would be interesting. It'd be be kind of fun.
3: I totally agree with you. He's a talented player, but hockey is one of the sports where the chemistry does matter, and uh, just injecting a good player doesn't necessarily mean results. So uh, I'm with you on that. And the, the last, not really news, but Alex Ovechkin. Man, I mean, I thought Washington would drop off. I'm not sure. Did you say you thought Washington would drop off too a little bit? A little bit, yeah. And they're not. And uh, neither is Alex Ovechkin, who is, uh, I think, his best goal scoring season was his third in the league with 65. He's on pace for 70 right now. Uh, I know there's no current odds on uh, com slash minus three right now, but, you know, we we thought McDavid had this thing locked up, maybe dry sidle. But right now it's like, is the grade eight, is he going to be in the mix later in the season?
4: I think I think that he'll give it to him if he keeps it up just out of uh, respect and a, kind of like a, a cap, a tip of the cap at the end of his career. Yeah, kind of and thing. it's almost like, you know, McDavid, you could probably give it to him every year. Uh, type sure. Thing. It's going to be like,
3: it's going to be, I'm so glad you said that. It's exactly what that happened to Jordan during like his uh, run when he could have won an NBA MVP every single year and the writers got tired mm-hmm. of giving to him. They went, it's like someone else. Like you're basically giving the MVP or in this case, the heart to the number
4: two option. So that's yeah. exactly true. Well, and essentially with Ovechkin, it would be, I think he'd be more valuable to the um capitals, I guess, than, McDavid would be to the Oilers in a weird way. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess you take McDavid off, you still have sidle is putting up? I mean, I know they go together and stuff, but you, you know what I'm, mean. you know what I mean. Oh I mean, wait, update.
3: Out. Speaking of the devil, uh, I just refreshed. FanDuel has the heart odds up right now, and Alexander Ovechkin coming at a plus seven fifty. Leon Draisaitl plus four fifties in the number two spot, and the uh, leader in the clubhouse, obviously, we said, is McDavid plus one forty five. Uh, Rounding up the top five here, but Austin Matthews is plus twenty six hundred, and Barkov also twenty six hundred, tied with Panarin. So there you go. Uh, those are your your top. Uh, guys, for this uh, the heart moral Trophy. If you're interested in the Vesna, Andre Vasilevsky plus 550, Sergey Bobrovsky plus 900, Jack Campbell plus 950. Those are your top three there. So that you do have the Vesna and the hard odds up on FanDuel.com. So, uh, I, you know, Avechkin 750. I mean, uh, if the I like it. If, if he's you know if he, it is. If he keeps passing people on this goal scoring list and he keeps inching closer towards Gretzky, and I, I mean, there's no sign of him slowing down. There's no sign of him wanting to retire. I mean, his like his son's showing up in all the games and he's like he's throwing the hat on the on the rink. I saw that video; it's pretty, pretty cute. I I, I could see. I'm, I'm kind of with you. I could definitely see the media just kind of being swayed, like, "Wow, Ovechkin gonna break the the goals record," and and they're like, "Yeah, we can give it to McDavid's. What is he like? 17 years old? They can give it to him 15 years in a row. He's yeah. always going to be the best player." So uh, I, I'm with you on man. I think that's uh, that's a good play right there. And we'll get to uh, some of our, our better uh, game bets later on in this one. But the, the real mean potatoes of this pod is uh, is your Islanders and dealing with the, the, the COVID stuff and the postponing of the games. But we'll start with the good first. So you did go to the arena. You said the Islander sandwich is good. So give me the good. And then you have to give me things you don't like about the UBS arena. You can't just be like the name or something. I want to I want to hear the real nitty gritty.
4: No, I, I think everything is good about it. It's everything that the oh, fans wanted. It's a you know, it stayed really true to the fans. I guess the worst part would be parking, but uh, if you buy a parking pass, which is definitely worth it. Um, Do they share the the
3: parking with
4: the with the Belmont Racetrack, or is it, is it still a little no, bit? No, it's away? its own separate okay. lot. Gotcha. where okay. uh yeah, parking pass. It's a little expensive, but it's definitely worth it. I got right in and out. Uh, it wasn't too hard to figure out, um, but everything is great there. There's no real no. Downsides. Except for the team. Yeah, other than that, but uh, you can see the rink from wherever you are. Two concourses, team store is great. Uh, saw uh, Matt Barzell's parents uh, really in the team store walking around. Yeah, they they complimented my brother's Matt Barzell uh, Seattle Thunderbirds jersey. Wow. So, um, I guess that's a, a shout out to them. Hopefully, they <laughs> listen. A, they're they're fans. He's, of the, he's pod. the shining star of the team. So uh, hopefully, we get him some help soon. So all in
3: all, a major upgrade from the, the, the NASA mausoleum. Uh, yeah. OK, that's good.
4: Even though, uh, I mean, I don't like to say major upgrade because I personally love the Coliseum and I think all fans do. Just because did you love it for the feel or because of the venue. Oh, for the feel. Definitely. Okay. But yeah, in terms of the, the actual venue and how things look and quality of things. Yeah. UBS is you know state of the art. OK, well, that's
3: good. I, I, I definitely would like to check it out. I see a Rangers uh, victory there. But now the unfortunate part is the team that playing in that building finally after a, a long stretch away. Um, And you were telling me you still have faith and the crazy things could happen. Like, look, last week we we're talking about the Avalanche, right? You know, bad start, but we feel like they're going to be there later in the in the season. Uh, you know, right now. Uh, for the Islanders, looking at just the odds to, to win the East, they're plus twenty three hundred to win the East, near the bottom, right next to the Flyers and the Blue Jackets. Um, the, to win, well, the, they're not the East. I'll to tell win you. the division, plus forty one hundred. So, so what's the path right now? What do you have to? Is it is it going to be a thing where just guys are going to just come back healthy and from the missed time? You got to make some moves at the deadline. Like, do you think this is a, a lost year? And again, I I, I feel terrible because I think they were dealt an unfair hand. But it is what it is, and uh, you know a team that was once favored to be one of the better teams, the East is now kind of fighting for there just to get an A spot.
4: Yeah, well, if you talk, listen, the the big thing is that they just make the playoffs. I think Mm -hmm. as long as they make the playoffs, that's that's fine. Um, If you go on Twitter, every Islander fan will tell you otherwise, and that they're the worst team ever. Their window is closed; they'll never win again. Um, They need to trade everyone. Uh, Lou is too old for this. Barry is lost. He has no idea what he's doing. None of that is true. Um, I'm still pretty calm. I Listen, there's only so much I can do as a fan. I can't go in there and, and change everything. I'm not on the ice. I can't you know, play. Uh, so I have total faith in, in Barry and, and Lou, and they'll do what they need to do and get the team in working order. And if they don't, well, they don't. There's nothing else I can do. I think – like you said it's a bit of unluckiness where you play 13 games on the road you come home to a new stadium all your key guys who have been waiting for that moment have covid Uh and they're out and on top of that you can't get a bounce either like they i think they i saw a stat where they were like 11th in expected goals or something like that and um but ranked like near last in actual goals scored.
3: Mm -hmm. They're just not converting.
4: Yeah. They're just, they're not, the puck's just not going in the net right now. So combination of that, it's not, not helpful. I think there are some things I'd like to see uh, change. Um, I think my one recommendation would be if, you know, those guys aren't back, I think you have to maybe stack the top line and and give, you know, if, if Lee is back, you'll have, Lee, Barzell, and I'd like to see Wallstrom on the top line because as soon as Barzell takes the puck into the zone, he's playing with Zach Parisi and uh, Richard Ponick, and they just collapse on Barzell. There's not much he can do. So if you put Lee in front of the net and um, let Barzell create and Wallstrom gives you a shooting chance, uh, that's one thing I'd like to see. Uh, You know, I think the guys who have stepped in have been okay. Um, they haven't been great, but for HL caliber players, they they've been all right. I, like it, it comes down to you know guys like Paul Peugeot Pajot, doing what they had, you know, doing what they're paid to do, and they're just not doing it right now.
3: So here's the million dollar question. This is this is the one. You said they're not going to win the division. They're not going to win the East, but Islanders to make the playoffs right now on Fandle.com slash 3 Plus two hundred to make the playoffs. No is minus two eighty. Are you going to put your tons and tons of money in your in your Wait, family's so home? So minus- Islanders, Islanders to make the playoffs is plus two hundred right now in Fanduel. Is that a bet
4: you're willing to make? Yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna make that. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's not it's not too like they're in a pretty big hole, but it's not like super super steep. I mean, you go back. I know Trotz referenced it with the. The Blues being in last place at the All Star break, yeah, uh, a few years ago. That's a good point. Recent uh, history and it can be done. So that's a good point. You know, I, I know Thanksgiving teams that are in the playoffs at Thanksgiving usually finish in the playoffs uh, at the end of the year. But um, you know, it's I, I'm st- I'm really not worried if they can go on a, a certain you know game point streak, they'll be okay. Uh They got 65 games left, and if they can win. You know, at a two to one win loss ratio, which I think is completely doable uh, for the rest of the year, they'll be fine. They'll be in a playoff spot. So,
3: I I, I wish I had the confidence you did. Um, and just looking, it, the problem is just looking at the East is just so difficult right now, and and they're already at this disadvantage. And I guess the one good thing about the COVID protocol is that you know hopefully this is the worst stretch is going to be for the team. They don't have to deal with this again, and obviously their their long road stretches over, so that is definitely in their favor. It should well, be a lot easier going forward. But I I, I do.
4: Like Just to add they, on to that, um, they they haven't played much of their, their conference yet. They've been playing out of conference yeah, a lot. Sure. So towards the end of the year, when they these wins will mean a little bit more if they can beat these teams. Uh, and, you know, they'll have it in the UBS arena. So uh, you know, by then teams that are in the playoffs, they might be or teams with hot starts might be sagging off a little bit. And I think if the Islanders need to win in-season games, they can do it if they, you know, as long as other guys are back and they're healthy. And, you know, COVID issues might arise with these other teams that, but they can also fall true. right off too. I mean, that's why I don't get with the NHL what the, the cutoff is because the Islanders – with their guys, then exposed, you know, to the Rangers, to the Penguins, and every other team played. So I don't know what the is. The rules
3: going. are not clear, and I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, if anyone knows how uh, dealing with a, a rough stretch of weird oddities going on, you know, obviously this year with the Islanders, with like we're talking about 13 game road trips, the COVID flare-ups last year, Rangers had the the Panarin issue with with Putin, and they had Zabinajad who had like awful post COVID uh, symptoms, and and the the whole Tony D'Angelo. So there was some weird stuff, too. And every team kind of deals with it. But I just feel like, yeah, they, they were, they were dealt a bad hand. But you love that bet. Plus 200 to make the playoffs, fantasy.com slash minus three. So go there now and slam that bet. And speaking of bets, um, I'll, I'll give out mine quickly. And I brought up before the Canadians with the, the firing of their GM, hiring of Gordon. They're spiraling out uh, I, can't, I still can't believe a team that was in the Stanley Cup finals, but Thursday they're playing Colorado Avalanche. We talked a lot about the Avalanche last week. I still love them. Uh, I love them in the, the preview show. I still think they're going to figure it out. They're a team, too, that you could point towards. Kind of like your Islanders, bad start, could turn on later in the year. Uh, they're just a the better team. and They're at Montreal, so maybe get some decent odds and those pop up. But th- that Thursday game, I love. Love, love, love the Avalanche uh, to beat the Canadians, who are kind of smiling right now and dealing with some front office changes. So they're they're not going to be fully with it. And uh, your bet was quite interesting. I like lo- I like this one from you.
4: Yeah, I like the Dallas Stars to beat the Hurricanes at home at even money. Um, they're both teams are pretty good in their last ten games, but uh, Dallas has won four in a row and they've been averaging, I think, three and a half goals in their last ten. So I like that to, to keep up, and you know, hopefully they beat the Canes there, help out. Help out the East Division a little bit. Um, Also, one other thing to watch, uh, quick notice, is the Canucks are completely in shambles. So a lot of their guys could be possible trade pieces.
3: That's and it's good for us, too. Another another uh, team to keep uh, adding on to the, the, the list of teams to bet against. It's like now it's the Canucks. It's it's uh, the, it was like the Blackhawks were a bit and was the the Sabres kind of spiral a little bit. And then uh, obviously the the Coyotes. And so we could start adding teams to that to to make all our listeners of uh, minus three some money. So, again, Fano dot com slash minus three, go there, and make those bets, meatballs, big bet. Islanders plus 200 to make the playoffs there. Um, the Ovechkin plus 750 to win the Hart Trophy is something that we like too, with his uh, insane goal scoring pace. Uh, and come on, Ryder, just you know, you can give it to McDavid whenever. Just uh, just hold off this one here and and give it to Ovi as he's uh, on pace to break the the goal scoring record too. And let's see. Uh, next week we'll see if the Islanders kind of figure this thing out. If they get right. If not. I don't know. Looks like a uh, bad bet by meatballs, but we'll, uh, we'll talk to you all next week.
2: Good times, spaghetti and meatballs. Great work there. I really am excited. That's, that's See, that's what sports does, spaghetti. Get sad about your pro football team or whatever. What am I going to do? Oh, there's hockey. A hockey's Oh, my team didn't win the Stanley Cup. What am I going to do? Oh, baseball. Oh, all right. I'll dabble in some. Oh, oh they're, the NFL. They're going to training camp. And so it goes. Time is a flat circle, at least for sports fans it is. We'll be back later in the week with the great Kevin Hench. Oh, my God, he's got to be feeling it now with these Patriots. Huge one upcoming, like we say, on, uh, on Monday night um, to figure out who is the favorite in the AFC, and whoever wins that one will be the favorite. We'll break that down and much more with Kevin Hench. Until then, thanks again to Joey Molinaro. Make sure you're following him and make sure you're listening to all the great shows on the Extra Points Network. Until Thursday Thanks so much sports fans It's been a thin slice of heaven